tonight with a prophetic word from Doug Addison. How many of you know him? Um, he had a word over 2017, and he said in 2017, he said, get ready to cross over into a new season of your life in the exciting new year that is upon us. He said, eyes to see. If you view things through your current understanding, then things will not make sense and might even look dismal. But if you put on the glasses of faith and trust that God has your best interest at heart, that's what we just sang. I, I'm your son. I am yours. I belong. God, you have my best interest at heart. Then it's going to be a great time. He says, step back from the negativity that you are hearing around you. God is still in charge. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total transformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's perfect plan for you, living a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Hallelujah. 2017 is going to bring not just a new season, but also a new era. God is now blowing on the dry bones of those who have felt forgotten by the Lord. He is beginning to awaken things in you that you might have forgotten about. God is resurrecting things you laid down in previous seasons and bringing new clarity to your calling. Amen. Get ready for positive impact. The world is going to awaken to the awesome power of the Lord. There is a reason for all the turmoil and attacks. It's the enemy not wanting us to see what God is doing. God is more powerful than Satan. Can I get a witness? Amen. And some have fallen into the trap of looking at the storms and not the Lord's solution. As darkness seems to increase around us, it's at this time that God uses these events and circumstances to draw people to himself. We are about to see various movements of God that will result in global harvest and revival. Do not be discouraged by how things look in the natural realm. Shall I read that again? Do not be discouraged by how things look in the natural realm because we're not limited to the natural realm. God is moving in our lives right now to align and position us for some amazingly good things. It's great to see how much confirmation is in this word, eh? Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. A great, uh, a familiar scripture from Jeremiah 33. You can trust that God is establishing you right now and you will indeed make it through this time. Come on, you will make it through. Many people are going to come out of this time in an entirely new place, say me. Hallelujah. New level, say me. New authority, say me. New anointing and new fire, say me. Even though things are shaking, remember that God's kingdom cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, so before I start my message, I, I really want to stay on track because I have actually points that come at the end. Um, but as I was just preparing and I was just sitting here, actually, the scripture kept going through my mind as I was um, up playing the drums and then kind of as I came out here and I was walking. The scripture, um, and it's found in um, Psalm 1, 1, 1, 126, um, verse 3. It says this, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Yeah. I think that was Fred Samato's like favorite verse. There's like a, his joke favorite verse for a while. 
Um, but you know, I was mulling it over and mulling it over because that's an amazing scripture, okay? But one of the things that um, I learned, for those of you who know Kat Kerr, she's, um, she's a great minister. Um, she actually goes to heaven, and that's kind of like her cool party trick. Um, you know, she goes to heaven back and forth. Um, and one of the things that she says is that every scripture of promise will always tell you how to receive the promise, okay? And she uses the example of the scripture that says, I pray, the, the scripture that says, I pray above all else that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so she says what you do is the end of the scripture is the key to experience the beginning. So she'll say, uh, uh, my soul is prospering, therefore I prosper and live in health, okay? And so as I was doing this, the Lord was talking to me about this and he said to me, flip it around, okay? And so if we flip this around, it says, I am glad, okay? I am glad. Like, let's stop there. I am glad. Sometimes we can think that even from this scripture, right? It's the Lord has done great things for me, therefore I am glad. So when the Lord has not done great things for me, I am not glad or I am sad, okay? But the, the key to these things is, is realizing, like, let's start there, right? I am glad, right? I'm glad. It doesn't matter what my situation is. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I choose to be glad. And because I'm glad, now I open up the door for the Lord to be able to do great things in my life, right? How many of you know faith people are happy people, right? faith people aren't moved by their situations. They're not moved by their circumstances. They're not moved by what happens or what doesn't happen. No, faith people are faith people because we're happy, right? I believe that my life transcends the things that are happening around me, right? I may have a bad situation momentary, but this is just a short moment on my road to victory, right? And so, oh, that was, thanks, mom. Here, See what I'm saying? We are, I love that. I am glad. I'm glad. Yeah, maybe it's the Wednesdays. You got a bad case of the Wednesdays. Yeah, that's right. You're so close to the weekend now. Right? We are, we are glad. And because of our gladness, what our thanksgiving, what our positivity, what our hope, right? We open the, for the door for the Lord to do great things. Amen? There's a freebie for you. Yeah, come on up. No. What? I'm like, people are like watching me waddle, and my face probably looks, I'm going to look this way. I haven't checked my mascara from that up there yet. So, um, but I was watching um, George Pearson's and Gloria Copeland the other day, and he was quoting Jerry Savelle, and he said that the Lord spoke to Jerry and that he told him um, just the other day that before they recorded that in 2017 that the depths of our praise would determine the magnitude of our harvest. Amen. That, he, that, that God that God was extending this ability to reach into like an abundant harvest, basically yeah. as high as you could go, as high as you could believe Amen. for it, but that good. the depth of our praise this year would determine the magnitude of our Amen. harvest. Receive that, right? Receive that. And let it, let the, you know, the, the whole point behind a prophetic word is that it will encourage you to go beyond your present moment. 
right? Prophetic words, they are what we hold on to and use to say, I don't really feel like getting down and dirty in praise right now, but I want to, I want my harvest to be great. So I'm going to make sure that my praise towards the Lord is great, right? That's why we, we grab hold of these words, right? It's like talking about the year of great harvest, right? Why do we put the banners up and we say year of great harvest, year of great harvest? Because chances are you're going to go through situations where you might not feel like it's the year of great harvest, right? But faith people, we're not moved by situations. And so we use these words, which is why my dad is doing such an amazing job and so focused on pumping vision into us. Because just because we put a nice banner on this, uh, on the, you know, the drum cover, that covers the fact that they're actually ugly behind there. That's why it's there, right? And so that was a joke. Ha uh, ha, you can laugh. It's cool. But the reason why we do these things and why we put these up is because we need fuel in order to get us through the difficult days. Okay, I tell you something, complaining about your difficult day and worrying through difficult days is not going to change your situations. What's going to get us through our situations is that when I have the opportunity to doubt or to be afraid, what's my first response? My first response is, is I'm grabbing a hold of what the Lord is saying. Right? This is my year of great harvest. Or, and whatever else it is that the Lord has said to you, those are your anchors, right? which is why the scripture says that hope is the anchor of our soul. Right? My hope for what's to come anchors me in the difficult situations. Okay? Boats don't need an anchor if they're just sitting in a pond. Right? They'll just sit. We need an anchor What? if you want to stay where you are in the midst of a storm. Right? And so that's why we grab hold of these things, write them down, memorize them, do whatever you got to do, get your prophetic words and put them on post-it notes and get your scriptures and your confessions and put them all around your house. Why? Because the potential is here, right? God is ready to do great things, right? We must maintain our attitude of expectation and faith so that we partner with God in what he's doing and see the fullness of what he's promised. Amen? Okay, okay, Ooh. oh, still doing good. Um, so I want to continue talking about authority tonight um, because it, it's really something that the Lord has put super strong on my heart at the beginning, really at the beginning of this year and coming out of last year. He was really talking to me about this place of understanding my authority because, you know, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, is that what, what makes a king a king and gives him power, you know, is the fact that he has this ability to, when he says something, that something that he says begins to change things, okay? A king can think great things, right? He can maybe write down great things, but until he makes the decree, nothing is going to change, right? It's amazing that we, we need faith and we need to have faith and we need hope and we need to have hope. We need love. We need all of those things, but all those things culminate in me to this place where I realize that what God has put in me has the potential to change the situations around me, that we are not victims to the things that are happening in your world. I don't care what the devil has tried to tell you, right? That you're, you know, you're no good, that you're not smart enough, that you're not good enough. Whatever it is that he's trying to tell you is a lie because you have the right and the ability to change any situation in your life. There is nothing more powerful than you. You are the one. You get the final say in every situation of your life. 
I know the enemy might try to lie to you and make you feel like, you know, it's this or that or the other, or it's your bad decisions. No, let me tell you something. There is nothing that is more powerful than what resides on the inside of you. The scripture says it like this, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living and active on the inside of me. All of the potential of heaven is in me waiting for a believer who believes that heaven is in them to finally release heaven, right? That's why the scripture says, what? Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? This is the Lord's prayer. What is it? It's the Lord telling us, begin to talk about and spread the kingdom. That is our job. And so we talked about it a couple weeks ago with Eve, and then we talked about it with Jesus, Right, how the very the biggest thing that the enemy tries to get us to do is to begin to doubt the Lord. Okay, that's the number one. I said there's two things the enemy desperately tries to do. He either tries to number one get you to doubt the Lord. Okay, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You did this bad thing, and so now God is punishing you. Right? He tries to cut put something in between you and the Lord, and if he can't do that. The next thing he's going to do is make you doubt in yourself. You can't do that. You're not holy enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough, right? He's trying to do all those things. Why? Because if he can separate me from who I believe that I am, he separates me from the power that I have. That's the key. It's like the son of a king, a prince... He has, he has all the rights to do things and change things, and he has all the rights and privileges as the king, right? But imagine it's taking him away as a baby, and he doesn't know who he is, right? That's the same idea. The enemy tries to what? Separate us from the Lord so we forget who we are, right? I am not just a human, although, yes, I'm a human. More importantly, what? I'm a child of God. Well, I'm an ambassador of heaven, right? I have been put on this earth not to just live here, but I've been put on this earth like Adam where it says to dominate the earth. We've been given dominion over everything. We access that through our authority. And authority comes because what we know what, what is ours and who we are. That's it. I know who I am. Like I said, I'm I'm not just a man. I'm not just a guy. I'm not just Pastor Ian and Tina's son. I'm not just a McDonald or some guy who lives in Fort Erie. No, that's not who I am at all. No, I am, I'm a son of the creator. I'm a child of the most high. That's my identity. And so when the enemy comes to try and challenge me to tell me that, you know, you're, oh, you're not good enough to do that. Oh, that dream is too big for you to dream. You know, you're too old to accomplish that. You might as well just, you know, pa- you know pass that off and move on to the next thing. For me, it's, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not just a natural man that I'm limited by these not. No, I'm a child of God. And so um, the Lord began to, you know, talk to me uh, just about this idea of understanding what our authority is because how many of you know that understanding what authority is is one thing, but understanding how to use your authority is completely different? 
okay? It's like, you know, I was watching, I think on the weekend it was, I was watching a YouTube video of a guy who was, I don't even literally know what it's called, but you put this like big chunk of wood and it's on a little thing that spins like mad fast. And you guys know what I'm talking about? And he has this like little tool, right? And he's like going across it with the tool and he turns like literally this stump into this beautiful bowl or something. How many of you know that I can watch that? And I can totally understand. Yeah, I get it. Like, you know, you're just moving this thing. But it's totally different to put the tool in my hand and actually do it. Like, I'm having visions of the tool, like, flying up and, like, hitting me in the face or something, right? Because it's different, right? Knowing something conceptually is totally different than understanding how to actively live something out day by day. And what it looks like as a believer is that we must go beyond just understanding what it looks like to be faith people. You know, the Lord was talking to me, you know, about planes. And he was using this whole thing. I'm not going to get into it. I've all written down here. But he made this statement to me. He said, just because you call a plane a plane doesn't mean that it's a plane. Yeah, I know, right? You didn't get it. Just because we call something faith doesn't mean that it's faith. He said to me, you know a plane is a plane when what? It starts to fly. Okay? What we have to begin to do in this year of great harvest. And listen, if you don't want to be a partaker of the great harvest, like you don't, the Lord is not angry at you if you don't partake in the great harvest. But I have to tell you something. The great harvest is not for God. You know, like God is not in heaven hoping that we live in the great harvest so that God can be blessed. I mean, I don't like gold streets and, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. The great harvest is for me. The scripture says it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what he's going to take care of who you He wants to take care of us. This great year of harvest is for us. Now, is it going to bless others? Right? Absolutely. Right? That's why we do these things. Because enough may be enough for you, but can you believe for some overflow to start to help some other people? Right? Maybe $1,000 a month is good enough for you, but can you believe for $2,000 so that you can go pay for somebody else's mortgage payment? Right? The, The year of the great harvest is about God's children living like we were intended to live. The scripture says it like this, that we would be saved. The word saved doesn't just mean like, hallelujah, I get to go to heaven, which is, it means that. But it's talking to us about this idea that I would live life the way that God would live life. Imagine how good God's life could be on the earth, considering the fact that anything that he says, uh, it appears. Like if he was like, hmm, today I'd like to live in a castle, right? Do you know what happened? A castle would literally just appear. That's the way we are meant to live. Our faith will draw to us whatever we believe in. Whatever. 
Do you need finances, money, restoration in your relationships? Faith was designed to bring those things to us. And so I had this written down, right? Because we're talking about understanding our authority and understanding how to use it. So there's this analogy, right? Let's say you're walking down the street somewhere and you found a lamp that was on the ground, like a genie lamp. And you rub it, and out comes genie, right, like Aladdin. And the genie comes out and says, hey, man, I'm here, and I'm going to grant you three wishes. But the only stipulation is, is that in order for me to grant those three wishes, at the end of every wish, you have to say the word pickle. And you're like, perfect. And your first request says, genie, I wish for more wishes, because clearly... That's the wish that everybody should wish for, <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah, maybe you're not allowed to. My second wish would be, whatever, Jeannie, I wish for a new car, and nothing happens. And I'm like, Jeannie, I told you, I wish for a new car, and nothing happens. I'm like, Jeannie, I wish for a new car, and nothing happens, and I take the Jeannie lamp and throw it away because I don't think it works. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is what the enemy has convinced a lot of people about living a life of faith is because we haven't necessarily understood or have been willing to confine ourselves within the guidelines of living by faith. We feel like because of that, faith doesn't work. Like I'm thinking of this person that I had a conversation with recently and, you know, they've been believing God for a couple of things and over the last couple of years, and they've been believing for it, and now that it hasn't happened, they're basically saying, like, I don't know what I believe. I don't even believe in God anymore. And so I asked them, like, hey, can I see your confessions? And, oh, I, I don't have them. Oh, okay. Could I see the scripture that you're standing on for the promise? Oh, you don't, oh. Well, how about the picture that you're meditating on? Could you like what? But you see, sometimes what the enemy has the ability to do is convince us that the genie's not working, but in fact, it's just that we forgot that we have to say pickle. Okay? And so as, we, as, as we're walking down this road, right, what we have to remember is this, that authority is not based off of us. Okay? Which, let yourself relax, because your authority is not based off of you attaining this perfection status, okay? How many of you know the whole reason that I get to stand up here and preach, you know, is because I'm so awesome and great, and no, that's not, that's not actually why. But, no, I got a great opportunity because I'm my dad's son, right? Well, and I have calls around in my life and all those things, but. The reason that we have authority is not because of something that we have done. The reason that God has given us this authority of simply because of who you are. I'll say that again. God has given you the authority because of who you are. There is nothing that you have to try to do better or to attain some status in order for the authority to work in your life, okay? 
That's one of the things the enemy tries to get us tripped up on, is he tries to make us feel like somehow it's our fault. There's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. I tell you something, this process will work for the most holiest of people, but it will also work for the worst sinners in the world. Okay? These pre- now, I'm not saying that you should go and sin, right? Because how many of you want to have the year of great harvest as you harvest all the junk of the bad things that you do? Okay? You don't not sin. I've said this a thousand times, but I'll say it again. You don't not sin, right? Because, uh, you know, because it's this place between me and God, right? My place between me and God is set. I don't sin because I don't want to sow sin seeds. And then in my year of harvest, I'm reaping a hundredfold of my death harvest, okay? That's why we don't sin. But what I'm saying is, is that we have to step away from this place of feeling like we have to somehow attain this place, this righteous status, in order for things to happen to us. Because that's the biggest place the enemy is going to try and knock you off. He's going to try and remind you, oh, you want to go pray for that person? Well, you, you didn't, oh, oh, you didn't pray today. You, you're, uh, you're believing for that car? Whoa, whoa. Six weeks ago, you forgot to tithe. You're believing for that house? Whoa, whoa. You know, look at that hole in the wall. You clearly have not been a good steward of your house right now. But the enemy loves to do that. But I tell you something, we are not, the blessing of God is not based off of your righteousness. It's based off of Jesus's. Okay? So, we're going to talk about five things. In the last 12 minutes that I have, I call them the five S's of authority. So if you have a piece of, a piece of paper, um, you're going to want to write them down because they're pretty good. At least I think. The first S is this, search. Search. Everybody say search. The Bible gives us promises that we can have. You know that every single thing that you find in the scripture, you can claim as your own. Okay? I'll say that again. Every single thing that's in the scripture, you have a divine right to claim as your own. Did you know there is nothing that can stop a biblical promise from finding its way into your life? Okay? If you can find it, you can have it. Okay? Yes. So, God must be faithful to his promise. So, God is not choosing whether or not he wants to bless you. God must be faithful to his promise. Psalm 145, 13 says this, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, and faithful in all he does. So what? You must, number one of developing your authority, you must find a scripture. Turn to your neighbor and say, find a scripture. When you're believing the Lord for something and you are stepping into this place of authority where you're going to speak to the mountain, first, you must have the scripture that you're standing on, okay? So, all words create, we know that. So why do you need a scripture? Okay, scripture is important, right? The Bible gives this analogy. I think I have it written down here. 
Okay, Matthew 7, 24 is talking about the one man who builds his house on the sand and then when the wind and waves come, okay? The reason we build our, 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 our hope and our expectation on the scriptures is that if your hope and expectation is just built on a good idea, when pressure comes against that thing, it's going to shake it because it's just a good idea that you came up with in your own head, okay? And then as things start to look bad, what do you do? You start to question, hmm, maybe that wasn't actually a good idea. When I build my hope and expectation, my faith house, when I build it on the scripture, I can stand confident regardless of what happens to me because I know first and foremost that God must be faithful to his promise. That means if you stand on the scripture, that's 1 Peter 2.24, let's say, that by his stripes I was healed. 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, I was healed back then. And then you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey man, your cancer is worse. Okay? Because I have the scripture and I know that the scripture must be true, I can hold on to it regardless of how the situation changes because I understand that the scripture is more true to me than my present situation. Make sense? Number two, we must study. Because understand, in case you didn't know, the Bible is just compiled of a whole bunch of words. The words in the Bible are words that we use in everyday English. Just knowing words does not mean that those words have power. Get this. I'm not saying that this is, this is beautiful and it's God's word. But I tell you something, if I take this Bible and Mike is believing for healing in his head, and unless it's inspired by the Holy Spirit because he could do cool things. But if I'm just taking this thing, well, this is the word of God and you have a headache, let me smack you over the head with this a couple of times. How many of you think that's gonna be a good way to cure his headache? This book is just pages and in ink. The power of this book is when these words go from pages and ink to truth in my heart. This, this is a great book that tells me how to get the truth in my heart. But if I don't get the truth in my heart, this is going to remain just a really great book that has so much potential to change my life. But the fact that I own one doesn't mean that my life is going to change. My life changes when I study the scriptures, when I find them and I chew on them and I begin to understand them and understand their relevance to my life. That's when this becomes living and active because what makes it living and active is it gets into my living soul, my living spirit. And as I begin to release that now, because my spirit is living, I'm releasing living words. Okay. So we must study. John 15, seven says this. If you live in me and my words remain in you and continue to live in your heart, Get this, his words must remain in us and continue to live in our hearts. 
okay? That means we can't just expect to, like, pop by the Bible. You can't just expect to, like, pay it a visit every once in a while. No, we need to, this, we need to live here. We need to live here. You know, sometimes, you know, I love what God is doing in the church right now. Let me tell you, like, I'm, I'm all for it. But one of the things that sometimes we can do is in, in this great divide between religion and, you know, this, you know, Christianity, this relationship, is sometimes we can feel like, you know, oh, don't try to put those restrictions on me that I have to read my Bible, right? You know, my relationship with the Lord can look however I want. And so I don't need to, sure, it totally can. But I tell you something, unless you know the word, the word will not change your life. The word changes me. I don't read the Bible because it's my religious, ritualistic uh, thing that I do to get a gold star by my name. I read the Bible. I live here because when I read John chapter, uh, John 15, 7, it says that when his word, when I live here, when this is my go-to, like when something happens, okay, you know how people like, when something bad happens to you, you run to your room in your house, okay? When something bad happens to you in life, you need to run to your room, okay? We must live here, okay? And the Bible says that when we live here, when these words are alive on the inside of us, it goes on to say what? Ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. There's a stipulation. What? This? This must be alive in me. And Romans 10, 17 says this, that we, faith comes how? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word. I love what my dad was saying. He said at the beginning of this year, I don't know if he said it in church or he said it to me personally, but he made the statement that said, you know, for the last 20 years, you know, you could get really discouraged at the fact that you've been making the same confession 20 years. But those confessions for 20 years, what was, it's been changing my heart, okay? Like last year when I went after this living, uh, you know, with, for, with divine abundance in my life, I tell you something, I went six months where nothing happened. Why? Because it took six months to get my heart to change, okay? You have to stay steady in the word constantly not because I have to say it 10,000 times in order for something to happen. You've got to live here because it takes time for our heart to change. I tell you something, you've got to do your confessions every day, all the time, like not like once a day speeding through them, right? I think about it like this, okay? If you have 24 hours a day and you spend, let's say you're awake for 14 hours, okay, and you spend 13 hours, uh, 13 hours, 55 minutes, worrying and thinking negative thoughts and you think that five minutes of confessions is going to combat 13 hours and 55 minutes of neck now what if you want to change what you believe you have to spend more time thinking about what you want than what you have what does the scripture say meditate day and night okay 
Now, it doesn't just mean meditate on the word, although that's what you should do. But whatever you meditate day and night on is what you will observe to do. Okay, you want to change your situation, I'll tell you a real quick and easy way to do that. Change what you're thinking about, okay? <clears throat> Number three, C. C is all about meditation. What meditation does, number three is C, S-E-E-C, not C, S-E-A. You're like, now he's going to call me to go to the C, but we're on a vacation. No, that's not right. C, S-E-E. Meditation takes the word that you've studied, and the mechanism of meditation takes a story or a promise that I read in the Bible, and it makes it mine. I read that I can be healed, and I meditate, I am healed. It takes a promise from potential to reality. I now understand that I can have something, and my process of meditation is experience the emotion and the feeling of what it feels like to have that thing. See the difference? Reading something in the Bible is showing me that I have, I have all the rights in heaven and earth in order to be wealthy. I spend my time meditating on the promise of God, making it a part of my life as if my life right now looks like what the Bible says it can look like. So if you're believing God for healing, you find, wow, the Bible says, 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes I was healed. Amazing. It's a promise that I can have. Now, take that and in your mind begin to meditate what does it look like and feel like to actually be healed. Okay? It's not enough to just study the scriptures to know that promises are out there. I have to live in and experience and allow the, 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 the personalization of the word in my heart to change my heart and my outlook because when my heart and my outlook changes, that's what begins to change my world. I must change inside before I can change outside. Changing outside is what we call toil. I work on the outside to change something but I'm fighting against my belief system on the inside. When I change what's on the inside, the outside doesn't have any choice but to change. When my heart changes, my life will change. Okay. Joshua 1.8 says it like this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It wasn't enough to just have the word. He had to meditate day and night. That means if you got to make a recording of yourself saying your confession, and you can't physically talk while you're sleeping. I mean, if you've learned that skill, God bless you. You can teach me. But what do you do? You make a recording of your confession. And what the scripture says, day and night. 
You want to change your heart fast? The scripture says day and night. We do whatever it takes to get yourself hearing and hearing and hearing the word because the more that you hear and hear and hear the word, the faster your faith or your belief in that word is going to change you day and night. Meditation takes knowledge in my head and makes it truth in my heart. Number four, you must speak. I'm almost done. I have two more. You must speak. The scripture says it like this, believe in your heart and that's enough. It says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and you will be saved. The scripture says it like this in Mark eleven twenty three, for surely I say unto you, for whoever believes this mountain can be removed. It says this, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done and he'll have whatever he says. If you aren't used to saying things, I was like this, like I could be alone in a room somewhere and I was somehow still embarrassed to shout. Anybody else feel that way? Okay, that's reality. It's like somebody telling me, like, you just need to dance with Jesus. And I could be, like, alone in my room with the lights out, so I literally can't even see myself, and I'm embarrassed for myself that I'm about to dance. Okay? It's a real feeling. And sometimes what can happen is, is we get so nervous that the enemy the enemy keeps our mouth shut. Let me tell you something. If somebody, for you, those of you parents, if somebody was trying to steal your child, would you think in your head really hard that they should stop? Nobody would do that. But the enemy's stealing your stuff. He lied to you and told you that you're going to die sick. He said that your relationship could never be restored. We have to get angry. The scripture says it like this, that the kingdom of, suffer, the kingdom of, of God suffers violence, but the what? The violent. Authority is all about what? Being violent. Standing and taking what you know belongs to you. It's not holy to live in a place of suffering. New Testament suffering is not that you don't have enough money or good health or good relationships. New Testament suffering is what? Denying yourself. God will never deny you his goodness. He requires us, what? To pick up your cross. God is not nailing you to a cross to teach you a lesson or somehow get glory. He's requiring us to deny ourselves. So what? When I notice that something is happening in my life, my first response is I'm going to start talking to that situation. And not talking to it, agreeing with it. Right? I'm not saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sick. Because that's not going to do me any good. 
What do I say? Immediately I start talking. I thank you, Lord, that your word says in 1 Peter 2, 24, that by your stripes I was healed. That means whatever's going on in my body right now is in total defiance to the word. By me accepting the fact that I'm sick means that I'm accepting the fact that Jesus' payment wasn't enough to pay for my cold. Therefore, that's not the truth. And so I'm speaking to this saying, you have no choice but to go. I'm angry because I will not allow something in my life to exalt itself above the name of Jesus. He's been given that name, and so I will do whatever I need to do to ensure that in my life, his name is first. Number five, this is it, I'm done. You must stand. Ephesians 6, 11 and 13 says this, having done all to stand, stand. Galatians 6, 9 says this, reap, you will reap, if you faint not. What does this look like? September the 3rd comes along, and your life still looks the same then as it did today. What do you do? Stand. When you go to the doctor, and they say, I'm sorry, but it's getting worse. What do you do? Stand. When you look in your bank account at the end of the month and realize there's still no money in there, what do you do? Stand. When you get into the next fight with your husband or wife, what do you do? Stand. When your child doesn't come home for the fifth night in a row, what do you do? Stand. There is never a good time to go back on the word of God. Let me say that again. There is never, say never. never. Say never ever. never ever. Say never ever ever. Never, there is never ever ever a good time to go back on a promise that God has given you. I tell you something, back holds nothing but the life that you used to live that you came to God because you used to hate. Sometimes I wish that God would do that, right? Like make me a video of what my life used to be like so that when I look at my life now compared to what it was then and I want to go back, I could just pop that thing in there and be like, oh God, that was horrible. I'm so thankful that I have this. The enemy wants to make us feel like the wilderness or slavery was better than the process of getting to the promise. Let me tell you something. When the Israelites are in the promised land, they were not wishing to go back to slavery. But sometimes the process. That's why the scripture says, what? Having done all to stand. 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 Stand if for nothing else than the enemy wants to try so hard to make you fall. Stand for nothing else than to be an example to the people around you of the goodness of God. Stand for nothing else other than to create a legacy in the future of your families. Stand for the people of Fort Erie. I tell you, the promises of God are true. 
as we, five simple things, as we apply them to our life, I promise you, you'll be like Mark 11, 23, that you'll say to this mountain or that mountain or this thing or that thing, be removed and you'll watch it move. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that it's so simple for us to understand. It's so simple for us to, to step into that place. Lord, I'm asking tonight, Heavenly Father, that you would grace us to understand who we are. We want to know, we want to see ourselves not through the lens of society or pedigree, not through the lens of history, not through the lenses, Heavenly Father, of things that people have said over us, words of limitation, but we want to see ourselves the way that you see us. We declare, Father, we'll never be the same. In Jesus' name.